This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman, bringing clarity to Washington, D.C. news. We see corruption at every level in Washington, and it's in both parties. Exposing the deception plaguing our nation's capital. Not only what he told every Republican senator, but what he told the press over and over and over again was a simple lie. And helping Christians stay informed about government. Now, of course, this puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. Be sure to visit AFR.net or wherever you get your podcast to hear past episodes. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio. Welcome to Exposing Washington on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Glad to have you on the show today. AFR.net is our website. Go there and check out our website, AFR.net. A lot of great content there. More specifically, check out the Exposing Washington podcast page. The Exposing Washington podcast page there. You can check it out at AFR.net. And, of course, we're on all the podcast platforms. We're on um, Apple Podcast, uh, Android, Google Play. We're on Spotify, uh, most of the on the major podcast platforms we have our show uh, Exposing Washington uploaded to. So various ways to listen to the show and uh, keep up with American Family Radio. Before we get started, I uh, wanted to mention a few things. We just wrapped up this our Truth for Youth uh, Bible campaign where we give out uh, Bibles to students all across the country for free. Uh, no charge. We uh, All you have to do is request them, and we send the Truth for Youth Bibles to students all across the country with the promise that they will uh, give it to their friends and their, their, their school, uh, their uh, friends at school. And so Truth for Youth Bible campaign just wrapped up this week. If for some reason you missed out on it, you can always go to uh, RevivalFiresInternational.com uh, RevivalFiresInternational.com or you can go to just TruthForYouth.com TruthForYouth.com and uh, request your free Bible one per per student, per household TruthForYouth.com We'll post that on the podcast page at AFR.net Jumping right into a couple of the topics we're going to talk about today Washington has been Full of news, kind of busy, uh, yet not busy at the same time. That's usually how it works. Not much getting done, but a lot of of news happening, a lot of uh, talk happening in Washington, D.C. One of the first things I want to talk about today is the spending legislation that Congress is can't seem to agree on. And we've had multiple pieces of legislation come through related to the coronavirus, related to the economic circumstances that we're in. And so if this passed, then this would be the fourth round of spending legislation as it relates to this topic. And before I delve more into it, just understand that I know that there are people across the country many of them who are who are hurting financially right now many millions unemployed businesses shut down it's been it's been horrible for the economy 
And so when you look at what Congress is talking about, the problem with what Congress is doing is they're not really fixing the root problem. The problem we have in America right now is over-regulation. We have governors and mayors across the country who are demanding via edict that businesses stay shut down or that businesses only serve 50% of their customers at any given time. Speaking of restaurants here. And so we have all these regulations being put on, not by elected officials, well, not by the legislative branch, but by mayors and governors. And it's really hindering an economic recovery. So we have Washington, D.C., Congress, the White House, trying to pass another another multi-trillion dollar piece of legislation that doesn't address the root problem. And that is the tyrants all across the country that are forcing businesses to close their doors. That's the problem. And of course, you get into... The topic of, well, how much money should Congress pass to fix this, to fix that? And if you notice, none of the legislation thus far has been a free market or a, a capitalist-type policy. It's all, let the government send you money, as opposed to let you, the, the American people, keep your own money. Because the reason, I believe, that Congress, this is Republican and Democrat. The reason they don't want to pass free market principles, such as a payroll tax cut, which we're about to talk about, is because that's the, that's the taxpayer keeping more of their earned money. But Washington wants your money, my money, to filter through the D.C. bureaucracy so that it, it can come back to the American taxpayer so that they can always say that they're in full control of mine and your money. Speaking about the payroll tax cut, I'm going to play clip one here. This is Stephen Moore, a, a top economist, someone very close to the president, talking about his viewpoint on whether, his view on whether the president can unilaterally implement a payroll tax cut across the board. Clip one, let's listen. So there's no question it can happen. In fact, you know, you, the, the media has been all over this for the last week, trying to find some constitutional scholar who will say that it's not uh, constitutional, but it is. And the statutes are very clear about this, uh, which, Connell, which basically says that in the case of an economic emergency, which everyone agrees we're in an economic emergency right now, the president has the authority under the IRS code to, uh, to postpone the payment of taxes. Remember, uh, uh, Connell, he, uh, President Trump did this at the beginning of the year when he post, po postponed the April 15th date for paying federal income taxes. He can do the same thing with the payroll tax and to suspend that through the rest of the year or even into 2021. So let me be very clear about this because a, a lot of reporters have gotten this wrong. There is zero question 
Donald Trump 100% has the authority to do it. Then the question is, will he do it? Well, there you have it. That's Stephen Moore, who I play on the show pretty often, and I agree with pretty often. Here's the problem with that. Whether President Trump legally, via executive order, can suspend the payroll tax cut, that's a good question. I don't believe he can. The power of the purse, it's very clear on the Constitution that the power of the purse rests in the hands of Congress, originating in the House of Representatives. And so while I'm 100%, 1,000% in favor of what President Trump is talking about here, the payroll tax cut, I'm thinking about the long-term implications of the president unilaterally being able to alter the tax code indefinitely. And so this is where we have to be careful here that we don't just curse executive power when it doesn't fit what we want done and then when it's something that we like, we're for it. Because what we're seeing all across the country is governors and mayors using their executive authority to do all kind of crazy things, including shut down businesses and churches. And so what I'm in favor of is the, the legislature, Congress, I'm in favor of them passing a payroll tax cut. And if they don't want to do that, then we should get them out of Washington, D.C. We should unelect them and put someone in Washington, D.C. that will do that. That's how our system, how our Constitution is set up. But right now, you have Congress, you have a Congress that really does nothing nothing of significance other than pass multi-trillion dollar bills that don't really address the problem. And speaking of that, I'm going to play clip three here. This is Senator Rand Paul talking about the spending habits that we've created, that Republicans and Democrats have created, and how it's really setting us up for failure in the future. Clip three, let's listen. You know, it's funny that people say, well, Washington, Republicans and Democrats never compromise and can't get along. That's actually the opposite of truth. Republicans and Democrats compromise every day of the year to spend money we don't have. So we were already running a trillion dollars short just with our normal budgetary expenses for the year. We added three trillion. Now they're talking about another one to two trillion. We're going to borrow five trillion dollars in five months. I remember when conservatives complained about George W. Bush borrowing $5 trillion in eight years. We're going to borrow $5 trillion in five months. Look at gold. 
Gold's over $2,000 an ounce. People are worried. The politicians around here say, oh, no, we just have to buy more voters by flooding the economy with money. Well, guess what? What if conservatives or libertarians that vote Republican decide you're acting like Democrats were either staying home or voting for a third party? You know what? They might just lose this election because they're acting like Democrats now. And so I'm very upset with my colleagues. They went eight years. They should apologize now to President Obama for complaining that he was spending and borrowing too much. He was a piker compared to their borrowing that they're doing now. So yes, these Republicans, you know, they should have to apologize and they should by law be forbidden from ever saying that they're fiscally conservative. Well, there you have it. And Rand Paul's right. Senator Rand Paul is spot on. Republicans virtue signaled for eight years about how bad President Obama was at spending too much money. You're putting our country in debt. In farther debt. We're never going to be able to pay this debt off. And then Republicans get in charge. President Trump gets in the White House and they do the exact same thing times ten. They do the exact same thing, if not worse. And, and, and here's the, here's the go-to excuse. Well, you know, Washington is, is full of Democrats and Republicans, and we've got to compromise. We've got to compromise. We've got to meet in the middle in order to get something done. There is no meeting in the middle. The Democrats get everything they want. The Democrats get everything they want. And so, that's the problem. That's the problem. And Rand Paul calls it out. We, the Republicans have no ground to speak anything of debt in the future when a Democrat gets in the White House, which will happen. It is just a matter of time. No more credibility for Republicans who talk about wasteful spending, wasteful government spending. And this is, this is more of a... This is a very uh, pessimistic view of Washington, D.C., but there's a congressman by the name of Justin Amash, which oftentimes I don't agree with because he's a never-Trumper. And I think, for the most part, President Trump is doing good things for our country. But Justin Amash put out a statement the other day or a tweet talking about how basically Washington is hopelessly broken and it's going to take something major to open their eyes and correct the course and correct course and I think he's on to something I think he's right because the analogy that I brought up the other day talking to some friends is the status quo can be debilitating the status quo can be paralyzing and can really keep you from from getting good things done. I gave the example of maybe a local church that's just stuck in the status quo, the same old way of doing things. This is how we've always got to do it. You see businesses that way. Well, you look at Washington, D.C., they're the exact same. Washington, D.C. has been doing the same old stuff over and over again for decades. Meanwhile, many elected officials are just enriching themselves. And so in order to change that status quo, in order to change that culture in Washington, D.C., something major is going to happen.
And I pray that's revival. I pray that's revival in our country. So the eyes of Washington, D.C. will be opened to the wrong things that they're doing. Including putting our country in $5 trillion more debt in five months. And we have a very strong country. We have a great we have great fundamentals when it comes to the economy. So really, our country could fund itself and actually could run a surplus if we had people in Washington, D.C. who were smart. They could run a surplus and we could have the biggest emergency fund out of all the countries combined. But instead, what do we do? We keep the printing press on and we spend money we don't have. And at some point, I don't know when, but at some point that has to catch up with us. The laws of economics have to catch up at some point. Moving on to another topic, and this is a more optimistic topic. This is Peter Morrissey, and he's, an, he's another econ economist. And he's, you know, I don't know where he is politically, but he has some good thoughts here about, you know, we've had this, this economic downturn. It's, it's not good. It's, it's a lot of people unemployed, millions of people unemployed, many businesses struggling. But he talks about our, how our country here really has an opportunity to reset from an economic standpoint and from a manufacturing standpoint, and how maybe this is an opportunity to bring a lot of manufacturing jobs back to America, which really could help our country get back on the right track. Let's listen to clip two. So far, we've been very focused on those sectors of the economy that have shrunk and are not going to rebound completely like restaurants or airlines and so forth. But 90% of the economy is going to be there in January that was there last year and going to be doing well and growing. That's why the market's doing so well. Uh, you know, the reshoring that's taking place, the rearranging of supply chains does benefit American manufacturing. Uh, Kodak is going into the pharmaceutical business. When was the last time? An individual entrepreneur created an automobile company that wasn't really propped up by the government out of whole cloth. The answer is, in America, recently called Tesla. That's an amazing story that is, has actually happened. My feeling is that the prospects for manufacturing in America are very bright now that we have a realistic view of what is going on in China and the cheating that's going on. And there were a realistic view of what partners in other countries can do and contribute so you don't expect it to be them or us, that kind of thing. But rather, right. I think we can do better. Well, there you have it. That's uh, uh, Peter Morsey, uh, chief economist, talking about how really we can do better from a manufacturing standpoint and bring a lot of jobs back to America. Why? Because many countries don't trust China right now. And I don't blame them. Who should trust China? No one. They are the chief evil empire in the world right now. And so we should get out of China as of yesterday. Another topic I wanted to talk about is really what the Democrats are scheming as we head into November. Right now, what you're seeing in the media, what you're seeing by these social media giants is really censorship 
to the farthest extent, even president, the president himself is being censored by, a, by Twitter and Facebook and others. The push to stop the populist movement that President Trump is leading, the push to stop that is only speeding up. It's only ramping up. With major corporations across the country leading the charge to squash people who think like you and me. Another thing that they're doing, not only are they squashing viewpoints, they're cutting down speech that they don't agree with, but the Democrats are also projecting onto President Trump what they themselves are going to be guilty of. Mark my word. The headlines and the accusations that President Trump won't accept the 2020 election results, President Trump won't secede, or he won't uh, a transition, properly transition power to a Democrat administration. President Trump is going to try to put put forth executive orders and hold on to the Oval Office into 2021 and 2022. President Trump is going to have to be escorted out by the military out of the Oval Office because he won't just give up his power. These are all things that they're projecting on the President Trump with absolutely no proof, no evidence. But I think they themselves, the Democrats, the left-wing Marxist, represented by Joe Biden, I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to not accept the results of the 2020 election. Just like they, they still haven't accepted the results of the 2016 election. And here's what they're doing. This is how far they're going. Privately, they're running what they're calling war games. And this is being headed up by some left-wing group called Election Integrity, Election Transition Integrity or something like that. Some phony name that absolutely doesn't represent what they're doing. And they're running these scenarios privately about what they're going to do, what the Democrats are going to do if they lose the 2020 election. And two things that they talked about as a possible option, as a possible outcome, is many states seceding from the Union, separating from the United States, becoming their own country. And the other alternative that was talked about was civil war. And so when you see the headlines about how President Trump is not going to give up power, it's not going to be a smooth transition if he loses, blah, 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 blah. What they're really doing is tipping you off to what they're going to do. If President Trump wins on November 3rd, 2020, the left, the Marxist, Antifa, they're going to go ballistic. And they're going to say he's an illegitimate president. There was voter suppression. The U.S. Postal Service colluded with the president to block Democrat voters. That's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to see. So they're gaming it out now. They're preparing in private. Democrats are the worst losers. They're the most sore losers I've ever seen. But you know what they do very well? 
is they project their own problems and their own failures on everybody else, including President Trump. And the same thing could be said about this whole coronavirus situation. You know, they've been bashing President Trump. You haven't handled this right. We need more testing. You should have jumped on this sooner. Blah, blah, blah. When you look at the Democrat-run states, it's been horrible. New York specifically, let's just fly over to New York. Governor Cuomo completely botched the handling of the coronavirus. As a matter of fact, Governor Cuomo, he was sending, he was forcing hospitals, he was forcing nursing home facilities, long-term care facilities to accept, to receive COVID-positive patients. Patients who actively had the virus, he was forcing nursing facilities and long-term care facilities to accept and to treat COVID-positive patients. Which led to over 10,000 nursing home deaths in New York alone. New York State overall is responsible for 20% of the deaths in the U.S. Because of the poor handling of Governor Cuomo. And so the projection of failure, anytime the Democrats are projecting something on Trump, on President Trump, on anyone else, typically they're the ones that are responsible. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we end the show is Kevin McCarthy, GOP minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, put out a, a document outlining what it's called what he what he calls the vision of the future for the Republican Party. And it's got all these great ideas. But one key problem Republicans have faced even when, we, when, when Republicans had the majority from 2016 to 2018, one key problem is the filibuster or the fake filibuster in the Senate. The rule that says that you need 60 votes to pass anything in the Senate. That allows the Democrats to block everything in the Senate. Everything that they don't like. And so we pushed and we pushed and we tried and we tried to convince Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, back in 2016, 2017, 2018, to get rid of the filibuster so that good laws could be passed. What did they do? They just held on to the status quo. They held on to the filibuster so much that nothing got done. Absolutely nothing got done. Well, guess what the Democrats are talking about now? They're talking about how they should get rid of the filibuster should they take charge. Should they take control, they say, we're getting rid of the filibuster. You know why? Because we promise our voters to get stuff done. And by golly, we're going to get stuff done. And we're going to do what the rest of the world does when it comes to voting. And we're just going to do a simple majority. 51 senators vote for something, then it passes the U.S. Senate. And so mark my word, the Democrats will get rid of the filibuster and they will shove legislation, even bad legislation, through the U.S. Senate. 
Meanwhile, the Republicans have been sitting on their hands the past four years, when two of the years they had control. Exposing Washington American Family Radio will be back next week with more Exposing Washington. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.